All right, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I meet with Pastor Scott every two weeks as I'm going through seminary, and he's my pastoral mentor, and, and I, I can't think of anyone that I would rather have from that. We've developed a great friendship uh, through that process over the last year or so, uh, and he asked me if I would fill in uh, this Sunday, and, and I'd jump at every chance that I can to, to get some experience in preaching. Uh, and then, uh, and then today, uh, I learned that I'll also be here next Sunday. Um, so, what I've done is I've prepared a sermon from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter nine, verses twenty-three and twenty-four. And there's a lot to unpack when it comes to that scripture. So, uh, what he has uh, advised me to do is to break that down into a two-part series, if we're allowed to call two parts a series, uh, to break that down into two parts. So, so we'll, we'll work through part of it tonight, and then we'll work through the rest of it next Sunday. But Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. So from the beginning of time, uh, as it would be the account of creation, uh, the, way and the, the way that a mighty God and holy creator God put all things into place and all things above, on, and under the earth is a marvelous, marvelous feat. He spoke, and by the power of his own being, out of nothing came the creation. Not a creation as we know today, because we live in a fallen creation, but a, a creation that's different, that was free from the stain of sin. Sin was not yet present. And each step of the triune God in the, in the creation saw what had been made and proclaimed it as good. And then again, we'll skip forward a thousand years into the future and see again another creation of God. In the account of Abraham, God had worked in the heart and the soul of a man that was part of a family of idol worship. And he called him unto himself... And used him to be the beginning of a great nation. God had again created, if you will, a promise of great significance. A promise again resembling the promise of Eve or promise to Eve that there would be a seed that would come from his lineage. Keeping the clock moving forward at a rapid pace, we move forward again a few hundred years to see our great God yet again has created and established Still based on his promise, the nation of Israel. He put a great leader in their front, Moses, gave them a set of guidelines or laws to live by. And as the course of time would unfold, the wisdom, the might, and the riches of God would be broadcast throughout the world. He would confuse armies to deliver them into the hands of Gideon's hundred-man army, He would slay the giant. He would use the pagan kings to set up judgment and restoration of his people. He would rain fire in the light of the the worship of the pagan god Baal. He would cause kings and queens from far off pagan nations to send materials and labor for the building of his temple. Not just once, but twice. He would do this. And even to this point, I have not even spoken a fraction of the mighty works of wisdom, 
the disbursement of riches and the display of power of our God. We haven't even made it to the new covenant yet. As we look at the passage for today, we need to take with us the truth of the almighty God and what he has used to display his attributes of wisdom, might, and riches. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Jeremiah writes, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. At the same time that we're looking through the wonderful ways of God and the attributes of God, it's important to also look at the ways of man as they relate to the power and might of God. There's only one certain truth that has been a reoccurring theme to humanity. We have a strong need for independence. It's found in every person. If, if you take just a moment, okay, take just a moment and look at the ways of a child as it grows. Even in their dependence, their full dependence on their parents, they want to hold the fort. They want to pack their own lunch. They want to walk themselves to school. They want to dress themselves. And you can find humor in every bit of that if you really tried. You let your child dress himself or herself. I'm sure that you could get a chuckle out of that if, if, you, uh, if you're that kind of person. But what is it that makes that independence so strong of an urge inside of a person? It even, it even happens with a nation. What is there that makes a nation a nation other than their independence from rule of other nations? We see this in the delivering of the Israelites from Egypt. Up to that point, they had not technically been a nation. But now they were to possess their own land, have their own law. They were going to be a nation. It was a wonderful promise that God would make. And he did make them a mighty nation. Our own country celebrates independence from the Brits and the kingship that, that had our courageous forefathers oppressed. Then even after all of that, so are our churches. We are independent, or we have another term for independent churches, right? We call that autonomous. We want to be an autonomous church. We want to have our own rules, our own order of service, our methods of teaching and doctrine. We are connected to others through associations and conventions, but we don't have to be. We can be independent if needed. But there's something in that independence that has that connotation of self-reliance. Because we're not under the rule of another nation we can't depend on that other nation to help. So there's a self-reliance that comes into this, into this independence. That's a slippery slope. Back to the child. 
Deep in the heart of man, right beside his need for independence, is rebellion. A desperate need for control and power. Even even if we can't rule a nation or lead an association of our choice or lead a church or or we're at least going to be in control of our own lives. Right. I mean, we're not we're not going to give up that control. We, we want to go where we want to go. We want to say what we want to say. We, and, and we want to justify it by whatever means necessary. We're going to justify this. We don't want guidance. And even when we do seek guidance, it needs to agree with our own preconceived notions of what it should be. We're humans, fearfully and wonderfully made by a good God. But we want to have the power. We're quick to hold to our own wisdom our own might, and our own riches. In that independence, we have become self-reliant. It's no different today than it was uh, in the times of, of the Israelites. Remember, before the Israelites were made into a nation, they sent spies into the promised land. They come back with grapes larger than any man could carry, took two men to carry the branch, and, and but Yet they were scared. They were scared of change and they were relying on their own wisdom, depending on their own might or lack thereof. Okay, let's let's look at it that way, too. And their own riches or the lack thereof. So, again, it's no different today. And as a matter of side note, people have been people forever. There are portions of time where some like to call the good old days. Oh, I remember when I was a kid and things were good then. Well, we must define good, and I I don't think we're going to go down that road today. We're going to handle that uh, at another time next Sunday. But but if you define good, I I, I don't know that, that we would ever really call a time in human history as being good. I don't think that we could do that. I don't think that I don't think that it's ever lent itself to the true definition of being good. One pastor said to me, folks will be folks. And they have been. They've been repeating their folk behavior for quite some time. But we still lean on our own wisdom. We still flex our own might and we depend on our own money. It was a warning in the days of Jeremiah, the Proverbs of Solomon, and throughout Scripture we're told of the dangers of depending on man and his wisdom. Because there's no good thing that comes from total reliance on on the wisdom of man. There's no good thing that comes from the total reliance on the might of man. And there's no good thing that comes from the total reliance on the riches of man. Don't, Don't hear me wrong. It's not wrong to be wise. It's not wrong to have riches. It's not wrong to have power. It's not that's in and of itself is not wrong. But the thing that you have to look at when we're looking at those three attributes of 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 humanity as as we can possess those things, those those qualities or those characteristics is that they're not supposed to be the master. They're not supposed to be what dictates the rule. They're not supposed to be what we serve. They're supposed to serve us. They're not supposed to be the master of us. And when we put our full reliance in those things, they become our master. 
we take our reliance off of God and we put them on those things. And even though there's, there's no good that comes from total reliance on those, we still do. So let's look real quick at what wisdom, the wisdom of man, really is. The wisdom of man is that of insufficient stature. It will lead us down a path of self-reliance and creating a notion in us a notion of prideful independence. In and of itself, independence is not even bad. I mean, we, we don't consider our nation bad because we're independent. We want our children to grow up and be independent. We want them to, to be able to succeed and, and live on their own and, and carry on those, those ways of life. But it's the pridefulness in independence that hurts. One must look no further than the book of Judges, and you'll hear what you're familiar with. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. They had become totally dependent on their independence. They had been totally dependent on their own wisdom, their own might, and their own riches. But that scripture sounds familiar because folks will be folks. And it feels and it looks familiar even today. Just in our own days of recent, can we not see governments setting freedoms and laws based on their own wisdom and bragging about its supposed success? How many lives have been saved from the abortion of the unborn? How many lives are more open-minded in the widespread practice of divorce or even homosexual marriages? Is this really something that we should boast about? This wisdom of, of inclusion, did you know, I'm, I'm sure you do, I'm going to ask anyways, did you know that based on human wisdom, we don't even know who we are? Based on human wisdom, we don't even know where we came from. But yet we're out there making these, these calls that are supposed to be just right, and we lean on our own wisdom for that. Theories are widespread about where we come from and who we are, but the trueness of who we are and where we come from is only given to us in that specific revelation that God gives us when he opens our heart to understand the truths of his word. We can't understand who we are or where we come from until that has happened. Even, even the notion of social equality and the idea of human wisdom leaves the less fortunate, the less intelligent, the underprivileged, and the uneducated at a disadvantage. When you rely on human wisdom, when you rely on human might, and when you rely on human riches, there are those that don't possess those qualities. But there is good news. The good news is we don't have to lean on the wisdom of man. But we, being part of the church of the redeemed, the church and the children of the Most High God, we have access to the answers. 
The truth has been revealed and our minds have been renewed and made able to understand the truths of God. We can boast. We can boast, as it says in verse 24, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. We can boast, just as Paul says, let me boast in Christ, that we boast in the cross. Because we have been renewed, we can know the mysteries of God. We can know where we came from, and we can know for what reason we were made. So let us boast in this, that we do understand and we do know the Lord. Not fully. There are so many ways of his that our finite minds just will not be able to understand. There are ways that he works. There are ways that he carries out his will that we will not be able to understand. But we can still understand that he is a God of steadfast love. We can understand that he is a God of justice and a God of righteousness in the earth. So let us boast in that. Where it is not dependent on social status, last name, genealogy. It is the real equal opportunity, having no favoritism, regardless of sex, race, age, or disability. But at the same time, one of those ways, we must understand the opposite side as well, that the potter will make vessels of mercy and wrath, and, to, and, and that too, regardless of favoritism, based on sex, race, age, or disability. This is a wonderful truth that Paul states in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you want to turn there with me, you can, or I can just read it to you, however you prefer. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 26 to 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's a wonderful truth. And let us always remember That is not our own power that we boast. It's not from our own might. It's not not our own wisdom. As we rely on our own wisdom, we will fall short. But when we boast in the Lord, when we cling to him for his strength, when we cling to him for his comfort, when we cling to him for all that he has for us, the might of God is on display to the world. 
And the scripture says that his ways are so plain that no one will be without excuse. So we know the might of God. We know the wisdom of God. He's making it known to us in his word. Let us cling to that truth. Let us hold to it firmly. Knowing, knowing what we believe and firmly holding to it. Knowing that we're, as, as 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, that we're going to hold firmly to what we believe and the sacred scriptures that make us wise to sanctification and salvation. And the, and the way that God makes himself known to us and the wisdom that he has is through his word. And still just piggybacking on that same second Timothy, it's that all scripture is God breathed and it's there for teaching us. It's there for reproof. It's there for correction and it's there for training in righteousness. And we cling to this because we boast in the Lord because we boast in him because he is the God that practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. He is our example. He is who we follow. So in that, let us hold close to him. Let us not cling to our own wisdom, but let us cling to the wisdom of God. Let us be wise in the ways of God. It's okay to be wise that way, but wise on our own understanding will lead us astray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for your word. We thank you for the way that you work in our lives the way that you, that you bring us up, that you train us in your righteousness, train us in your wisdom. We're so thankful for the word that you have, you have made this readily available to all of us so that we may know who you are. We thank you for that revelation, that changing of our heart that's made us receptive to your truths. Lord, change the desires of our heart. Make us want to cling to you to not lean on our own understanding, but to lean on you for all that we need. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So it was a little short because you're going to get the rest of it next week. So we had to fill some time up. Well, I got a $50 gift card to the Chelsea. So we'll see how far that'll go with all of us. And, and Yeah, we'll... Uh, a hamburger split 50 ways and and we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that works there was there was one there was one uh, of the responsive readings that I was that I was looking at in the back of the hymnal um, it's uh, it's responsive reading 670 majesty and power um, and most of them come from Psalms portions of the Psalms and it says oh Lord you have searched me and you know me you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. 
For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.